Father, we bow in your presence, and Lord, we know that baptism is very, very important. It is a command, not a suggestion. But why baptism? And in order for us to have a new year and a new you, we have to be obedient. So Holy Spirit, let's take the next 27 minutes or so and let us encourage these brothers and sisters, even future brothers and sisters, that will need to be baptized. And Father, now hide your preacher behind the cross and let us minister your word. And may it be pleasing to you, Lord, this sound doctrine and truth that can set so many people free. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Greg. It's been a great morning. As I shared earlier, I preached yesterday and Decker, Tennessee, had a wonderful time with that group of men, and I'd stepped outside to do a moment of counseling with a brother, and uh, that cold air got in my throat, and so been struggling a little bit, but the Lord has sustained us, and here we are in uh, service number three, and the Lord is going to see us through. I got to thinking about Reinhardt College in Waleska, Georgia, uh, a number of years ago when Greg Mayo was our youth pastor here. He would invite me to come, and several of our adults now that have their own children that are that age were a part of that group, and we would go up there, and on occasion, Brother Fred would come and drive that little Volkswagen Rabbit with the hood tied down with baling wire, and he would come flying in to Waleska, Georgia, and we would sit around, a bunch of us young preacher boys, and he would tell us stories about baptisms, things that happen behind the scenes that you never hear about or you never talk about. And as I was thinking about that, pulling this message together, I remembered in my first pastorate, I was an interim at New Grove Baptist Church, and then after a few months, they took the interim off, and I became their pastor. And I was still getting used to baptizing folks. I had not done it a lot. And so, uh, hopefully, the more you baptize, the better and more proficient you become. And we would, on occasion, go out and knock on doors, and people would respond to the gospel in a subdivision or in a trailer park or wherever it may be. And this precious lady gave her life to Jesus. And I said, ma'am, the the water is warm at church. Would you like to get baptized? She says, well, I don't even know what that means. And And I explained it to her that I would paint your little nose and carry you down into the water and bring you right back up. And she said, well, I'm terrified of water. And I said, well, it'll be all right. I I promise you. I've only done this a few times, but I hadn't drowned anybody. Everything's going to be all right. And so the next morning I preached, and after the service we're baptizing this sweet lady, and she's changed into her baptismal robe. I'm standing down in the baptistry, standing at the landing, and, and she won't come down the steps. And she looked at me, she says, I'm scared of you, and I'm scared of the water. And I almost had to drag her down, kicking and screaming into the water. Well, I finally got her into the water. And she was calm for a moment, and then she looked at me. She said, I'm scared to death. And I said, sweetheart, right before I take you under, I'm going to pinch your nose, but take a big old gulp of air. And and I promise you, I'm going to take you right in the water and right back up. And she said, okay. Well, I said my thing, and I now baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. She sucked out all the air in the whole building. She buoyed on top of the water. And I'm like this guy in the video. I was afraid I hadn't done it right, so I tried to jump on the top of her and just push her all the way down into the water. 
I made sure she was baptized. Why baptism? You know, you look into God's Word into the Old Testament, and you'll find in the book of Genesis a story about Noah, one of eight people that were saved from the great flood of God's judgment. Thousands of years later, the Apostle Peter writes in his first book, in 1 Peter chapter 3, these words. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So we see this mention that baptism has water a part of it. But it's not the most important thing about the gospel, but it is part of the gospel because of the command of the Lord Jesus. But the Old Testament, in several different references, I will give you three, one from David, another from Isaiah, and lastly in Ezekiel, these men alluding to physical water as a metaphor of what happens internally in the life of a soul. The Bible says in Psalm 51 too, that great penitential psalm that David wrote after he had confessed of his sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Isaiah later says in chapter 1 verse 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil. You see, one of the corresponding things that happens after we are saved and after we are baptized, we cease to do evil. doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we will sin much less. And then finally, Ezekiel, that great prophet, said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. So historically, we see some allusions, if you will, to baptism, even in the Old Testament, from the account of Noah and then through David and Isaiah and Ezekiel. But now we fast forward to the New Testament in those beginning Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see John the Baptist as the final prophet of the Old Covenant. Even as John baptized Jesus in the Jordan, he, he ushered in this messianic fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Things that were prophesied long ago was now coming to pass as Jesus was baptized. In fact, notice this quote with me. Behind the symbol of baptism is the substance of baptism, which is the blood of Jesus Christ removing our sinfulness. Now, I love to take a shower, a bath, and make sure that the the soil and things that I accumulate on my body throughout the day is washed away on the outside, but it is the blood of Jesus that washes and cleanses us on the inside. But yet baptism, as a reflection of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, is so important today. In fact, numerous individuals were baptized in the New Testament. First of all, Jesus in Matthew 3 that we've already alluded to, the thousands who got saved at Pentecost in Acts 2, the people in Samaria who were under the preaching of the evangelist Philip who were born again, they were baptized, the Ethiopian eunuch, 
that Philip left the crusade and goes and jumps in the back of his chariot and has a one-on-one conversation and a presentation of the gospel. Paul, who at one time was Saul the persecutor, became Paul the preacher. He was baptized. Lydia, the one who was the dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, she was baptized. The Philippian jailer that we'll get into more detail about him in just a few moments. Many of the Corinthians heard and believed and were baptized. The 12 Ephesians that Paul met. I could go on and on of countless individuals who were obedient to repent and be baptized. Now here's the issue. Some of us, because we were raised good Baptists, have not been obedient. We got saved a long time ago and we fell through the cracks. Somehow, some way that happened. I'm going to ask you today, would you consider being obedient? Making sure, first of all, that you've been baptized or that your baptism is actually in order. What do you mean, Joel? Well, some of us got wet when we were children. Then later on understood the gospel and got saved. And we think getting wet beforehand is our baptism. It's not. Baptism comes as a response to salvation, not before salvation. Over the years, I've had the great privilege as a pastor to baptize numerous individuals who got their baptism in order. Maybe that's where some of us are today. Let's go deeper into obedience. Take your Bibles and look with me in Acts chapter 2 real quick. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37. Now, again, verses 36 and prior are the sermon of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost when thousands and thousands of people were saved. And this was the response. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You ever been cut to the heart? I have. Somebody is preaching. Somebody is teaching from God's Word. And they say something, it just grabs a hold of you and shakes you. It lets you know that maybe the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm saying, the places I'm going, the people that I'm hanging with, maybe it's just not of the Lord. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Hey, brothers, what shall we do? More than one person over the last 30 years has come to me and said, Joel, what's my next step? What shall I do? I know I've messed up my life. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I I, I know that I've sinned. What's my next step? Well, Peter responds and gives us the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, it's for your children, and for all who are far off. That's us. We are the ones who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And we live in a time and we live in a place here in North Alabama that some use Acts chapter 2, verse 38 as evidence that it's belief plus baptism results in salvation. But Scripture, however, does not support this view. The Bible as a whole communicates that we're saved by faith, not by works. They were never saved by circumcision. They were never saved by being obedient to the law and were not saved by water baptism. We are saved by the blood of Christ that cleanses us from the inside out by grace. In fact, notice Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that no one may boast. Can you imagine how egomaniacal all of us would be if we could save ourselves? If we could do it on our own. 
If we could perform a good, uh, enough good works to do it, we'd write books about it and say, look what I accomplished. Look what I've done. I'm going to heaven because of me, not because of Jesus. Well, we know that's not the truth, but sometime we ally ourselves with that type of teaching. Hey, you know the story of the Philippian jailer over in Acts chapter 16. I talked about it briefly a few moments ago. He asked the Apostle Paul about salvation. How am I to be saved after the earthquake shook the prison, all the doors fully open, but none of the prisoners left? Notice what happens. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Maybe that's your question today. Maybe you've been wrestling with God about this most important, all-important decision of how to be saved. I've done several funerals over the last few weeks, and I don't like them. But what I do know, they're necessary to love on families and to minister to families. But what's beautiful is that those recently that I have officiated, they all knew Jesus. They knew the Lord. So the family didn't come without hope. They had assurance based upon that individual's response to the gospel a long time ago. So what was the response of Paul and Silas and the other apostles? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Very simple. Salvation is simple. We repent and we believe in the good news of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. However, we must be careful not to dismiss baptism. And I'm afraid that maybe we were raised in cultures, we were raised in churches that said, oh, just get saved, just get saved, just get saved. That baptism thing, we'll wait till there's a bunch of us, then we can heat up the baptistry to save money, and then we'll all get baptized together. And guess what? That night you missed out. So therefore, you've never been baptized. My beautiful bride, Joe. She got saved when she was a six-year-old little girl at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Lacey Springs, Alabama. But nobody ever asked her about baptism. I'm pastoring at New Grove. Joe and I are sweet on each other. We're boyfriend and girlfriend. And I'm preaching in my first pastorate. And I preach a similar message on baptism, just like I'm preaching this morning. And as we're driving home, Joe's real quiet. Joe's never real quiet, amen. And I said, Joe, what's going on? She says, I've never been baptized. I said, really? You told me you'd been saved. She said, oh, yeah, I got saved when I was a little girl, but nobody ever challenged me to follow through and be baptized. You know what the Lord allowed me to do? Baptize my future wife. It was so cool. I made her bubble too, amen? It was so wonderful that I got to be a part of that incredible moment of obedience in her life. What about you? Stop dismissing baptism. Oh, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith, but the Bible says repent and be baptized. It's now time for some of us to do what the Bible says to do. Keep reading in Acts 16. Look at it. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, of course, referring to the Philippian jailer, and to all who were in his house, his wife and children, his family, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Now hear me out. The Philippian jailer had participated in making sure that Paul and Silas were in the lowest part of the prison and their hands and feet were bound in stocks. Now he wants to wash their wounds. Let me tell you something. Lost people don't wash people's wounds. Saved people do. But he hadn't been baptized yet. Something had already happened in that Philippian jailer's heart. He had been born again. 
He had repented of his sin. He had believed in the gospel. He was saved. But now he's wanting to wash their wounds. But then notice the next statement. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. His whole family got saved. But he was baptized at once. He didn't wait three months. He didn't have to go to a baptism class to understand what baptism was about. No, he was just obedient. I want to encourage some of us today. You let us as a pastoral staff know, I need to be obedient. I've, I accepted Jesus Christ 10 years ago, but I've never been baptized. I accepted Jesus Christ when I was a little boy or a little girl, and I've never been baptized. No, it's not for your salvation. It is because of your salvation. So let me ask you a question. Why do we set people apart by baptism by immersion? Why do we ask people to go down into the water and then to come up out of the water? Let me give you about three things to think about. First of all, the Greek word that is used for baptism in the Bible is baptizo. It means to immerse, to submerge, sink the ship. It means to get overwhelmed, fully wet. In fact, in the original language of Greek, it was to speak of a cloth that was being immersed in dye to change its whole color. So that's why we baptizo, we baptize, we immerse according to what God's Word teaches. In fact, baptizo is a method of baptism that is distinguished from baptism by effusion, which is pouring the water on their head, or aspersion, sprinkling. So that's why we immerse as a church. Secondly, Jesus was baptized by immersion. In fact, turn over in your Bibles to Matthew 3 real quick. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John the Baptist to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptizo, when Jesus was immersed, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. So in order to come up from the water, you had to go down into the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Yeah, Jesus was baptized by immersion. But thirdly, historically we know that the disciples' disciples also baptized by immersion. There are some older Christian documents outside and apart from the New Testament that refer to baptism in terms of immersion. There's a book called The Shepherd of Hermas written in 100 A.D. that says, So they go down into the water dead and they come up alive. The writings of Justin Martyr in A.D. 115 refers to baptism as a water bath. And then in 130 A.D., the letter of Barnabas says, This means that we go down into the water full of sins and pollution, and we come up bringing forth fear in our hearts and with hope in Jesus in our spirit. But the first exception to immersion is found in what's called the Didache, or the teaching of the Twelve in 150 A.D., which says that if there's not enough water for immersion, you pour the water. I've been to Africa. I've been to places that did not have enough water. So they would either sprinkle or they would pour. I have no problem with that. 
Part of our ministry when I was in Louisville, Kentucky, is that we dug water wells. And then we would send a team after we had dug the well, and we'd talk about the living water, and we would share the gospel. People would be baptized. People had good drinking water. People had bathing water. It was wonderful. So water baptism is very, very important. But sometimes we don't accept that responsibility. We just want to get them saved, but they're only part way there. Oh, when they die, they'll go to heaven if they hadn't been baptized. But hear me out. Obedience says, go ahead and instruct them. Go ahead and encourage them to follow in believers' baptism. So what's the significance, Joel? What is the importance? By baptism, we're testifying that we are no longer our own. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have also been brought into a community of faith. When people are baptized here at First Baptist Church, most of them, if not the vast majority of them, if not all of them, are joining our church. They're saying, I identify with my baptism, and I'm a part of the First Baptist Church of Athens. Well, where did you get that, Joel? The Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Jesus Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we're a Jew or a Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So understanding this significance, Peter's command is even clearer. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, he was not telling them that they could not be saved without baptism. That's not what Peter was saying. He was telling them that their genuine repentance, which is by the grace of God, accompanies salvation, and it's evidenced by their baptism. Let me give you a quick story. He's in heaven now, but there was a gentleman at our church at Bethlehem over in Hazel Green that, again, was terrified of water. He had had an almost drowning experience when he was a little boy. So I had spoken on baptism, and uh, Brother Lon and I were talking to this brother about baptism, and he finally relents. And he comes up to me one Sunday morning and says, Brother Joel, I just don't know what to do. I, I just don't know if I can handle it or not. I said, Brother, I would not let anything get in my way of being obedient. Even if it meant me wearing a snorkel mask, I was kidding. A few Sunday nights later, this brother comes to me and says, I'm getting baptized tonight. And I said, that is awesome. Well, at that time, we were meeting in our sanctanasium, our gym that we had converted into a worship center. It did not have a baptistry in there. So we had to closed circuit televise the baptism from the old chapel into, onto the screen of our sanctanasium. So in the back, they would give me thumbs up and say, the baptismal candidate's ready. I'd ask everybody to pray. And when I said amen, whoever was baptizing and the baptismal candidate would be on the screen. So I said, let's all bow our heads together. I'd gotten the thumbs up in the back, and I prayed. And while I was praying, people started laughing. People were sort of getting rumbling a little bit. And I'm going, man, that's rude. What's going on? And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I looked up, and there's my friend, and he had a mask on and a snorkel getting baptized. Brother Lon was standing there in front of his friend, and 
trying to keep a straight face. And the brother said, Lon, if you can, just sort of hold it in and keep it, keep it straight while we're doing it. And at all, all of the precautions we got to make sure that he didn't get any water in his eyes or water in his mask, when Lon took him down and tried to press his nose, the mask came up, the snorkel filled up with water, and he came up sputtering. Amen. And everybody laughed and cut up and whatever, but my brother got baptized. He didn't let anything get in his way. The problem today is we allow a lot of things to keep us from evidencing our salvation through baptism. Well, I'm scared of water, or I don't want to do it. You know what? I'm, I'm an adult now. I don't have to do that. You know, sometimes I get after Zeke, and I'll say, Zeke, you need to do this, not because I've told you to, but because you love me. Some of you are here today. I'm, I'm just going to share with you. Don't just get baptized because you have to. Get baptized because you love Jesus. And you want to be obedient to what his word teaches and tells us to do. So as I close, every time I go into the baptistry, what does it represent? Well, first of all, it represents the death of Jesus Christ. When David or David or myself or one of the other pastors are standing over here in the baptistry, the candidate usually stands there in front of us. They are now representing the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus actually died a physical death according to the scriptures. Baptism represents our dying to the old sin nature. We are to think of ourselves as being dead to sin. So that person that stands there, they've been saved. They're dead to sin. Well, then we pinch their nose and we carry them down in the water representing the burial of Jesus Christ. Jesus was put in a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, that's a borrowed baptistry, amen? I've been baptizing for 30 years, never drowned anybody, amen? And yet you take them down into the water and you raise them right back up. What does that symbolize? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism does. It's evidence on the outward of something that's already happened inward. That's what baptism is. Who would not want to be a part of that? Who would not want to be baptized because of what Jesus Christ has done for us? But there are still folks that go, I don't know. You know what I would do? I would really, really do some soul searching that if I am intent on not being baptized, I may not be saved. There may not have ever happened a transformation inside your heart. Maybe today is that day. All of you know how much I read about Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers from long ago. He said in one of his books that up until the time that he was baptized, he was afraid to confess Christ, meaning tell others. But thereafter, he lost all fear of man and never again hesitated to boldly profess his faith. You know what he likened baptism to? Crossing the Rubicon or burning the boats meaning I'm no longer that person. I'm not going backward in my life. I am moving forward. He said no retreat was possible. Maybe that's the hindrance of some of us because we know that getting baptized means I surrender. I give up everything that I ever thought I was or everything that I ever aspired to be. I surrender all to Jesus. There are some of us here today that need to do exactly that. And then a boldness will consume you. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Would you be willing today to live by faith and just simply be obedient? I encourage dads to baptize their children. I always am honored when I'm asked by a family to baptize a son or daughter, a grandson or granddaughter. But if that dad is right with Jesus, I love for that dad to baptize their son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter because you've loved them a whole lot longer than I have. And you're the closest representation to Almighty God and the Lord Jesus in their lives. There are some of us in this room today I'm going to finish up this series next week preaching and teaching on the Lord's Supper. We'd love to have a big old baptismal service as well. In just a few minutes, these guys are going to be lined up here in the front. You need to come to one of them and say, I need to get my baptism in order. I need to be baptized for the very first time. Now, let me tell you, when I baptized Joe, she had to swallow some pride. She had worked in vacation Bible school. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was doing this. She was doing that. But she'd just never been baptized. Some of us need to swallow our pride and make it right.